Welcome to the Insane Things Podcast. Let's dive in. It's been a busy week. Insane thing number seven, the insane hypocrisy of the Biden administration, which was prosecuting Donald Trump in the process anyway um, for taking classified data and keeping it at his home. And we find out Biden did the same thing. The key difference between Trump and Biden is that Trump has the lawful ability to declassify. Biden, as vice president, doesn't. It was a crime for him to remove and keep those documents. But the key takeaway is this. Right now, the deep state has reinserted itself into the election and now has total and complete control over who can run Biden and Trump. The others, not so much yet, but them, yes. Here's why. Joe Biden committed, or his family did, Over 400 crimes documented on the Hunter Biden laptop, as we discussed in a previous Battleground podcast, a group of lawyers spent a year uh, documenting every single statute, local, state, and national, that was broken. It's over 400 crimes. Did our justice system, did the deep state, give a rip about any of those crimes? Why no, they didn't. Did they give a rip about any of the more than 100 wire transfer Flags by the Treasury Department, which runs a bank algorithm that covers all international transactions to and from the United States, flagged over a hundred of the Biden's transactions, Hunter's and Joe's brothers for potential wire fraud and money laundering. Did they give a rip about any of those? Oh, hell no. So why do they care about these documents? Because they're covered, as in Trump's case, by the Presidential Records Act. What does that mean? Well, up to three years in prison if you're found to have removed, stolen, hidden, or otherwise destroyed presidential records. And you can't ever hold public office again. It says so in the federal law. That's why they suddenly care so much about this particular crime in the case of both men. What does this mean? They now totally control both of them, whether they can run or not. It would be an absolute slam dunk to convict Trump, even though he's not guilty in a D.C. court of law because 90% of the jury pool, Democrat. Even though every single sitting president of our lifetimes has left office with classified documents and no less than Bush, Clinton, and Obama still possess them, as Representative James Comer pointed out on Fox News yesterday. Every president has a history of accidentally taking documents with them that may or may not have been classified. It's been a problem with every president, yet no other president other than Donald Trump was raided by the FBI uh, and and put through the ringer like like Donald Trump was put through. As Rudy Giuliani pointed out, that'll make that harder to get Trump, at least in an honest court system, not in D.C., though. Then get Biden on it, though, because he was vice president at the time. He has no ability to declassify so they now have total control over whether these two men can run all they got to do is say well either you drop out or we prosecute now what they're going to do as far as taking out one or both of them i have no idea but they have the power now they will choose who is on your ballot not you they now are the kingmakers the ones who have the upper hand what show make this the third election in a row that they've had an iron grip on and played kingmaker in They controlled, with an iron fist, the debate in the last two with social media censorship. Guess this is their new angle. But that's not even the most insane part of this insane thing. 
No, the UPenn story is. It turns out the Chinese donated more than $60 million to UPenn, over $50 million of it anonymously to build the Biden UPenn Center. When the FBI began to investigate that, faculty there lobbied the Department of Justice to shut down the investigation. And they were successful. I guess FBI investigations are now Democratic. If you're a Democrat, you can simply vote not to have one. And they'll call the whole thing off. Weird that that's where they found some of the top secret documents. Or not so weird. Joe Biden and his administration spent the last two days trying to convince everyone this was inadvertent and a mistake. An accident. The papers just got shuffled. But that can't be so. Liberal law professor Jonathan Turley writes, because the documents were all originally taken to one of Joe Biden's mansions, stored there, then sorted through, and some of the documents were then taken to the Penn Biden Center, which is part of the University of Pennsylvania, which clearly laundered the Chinese money for the Bidens, but it's located in Washington, D.C. And who came and went from the UPenn Center? Well, Joe Biden would eventually get more than a million dollars of that money from the Chinese as a salary for teaching, but he never taught a single class. He'd only show up a few times a year. But who did come and go from there? Chinese donors. Who? We don't know. And what was left there again? Classified top secret documents. Gotcha. Folks, this grift has been used repeatedly by Democrat leadership. Hillary Clinton did a version of it. She took tens of millions in foreign donations from foreign governments or entities associated with them, then put a ton of classified data on that server. That alone would have been illegal because she couldn't remove it from the skiff. But she went a step further to make sure they could get it, remember? Leaving that server unsecured. The government studied it. Remember, the federal government determined no less than five foreign governments had accessed that server. Of course they did. They were getting the classified data they paid for. This has the ring of that. It's the same style. Oh, and Hunter Biden? He was the person who coordinated the whole deal with UPenn. But you'd have no idea about any of that unless you watched Fox News. Here's Todd Pyro and Representative James Comer discussing this. And by the way, it wasn't just Biden who took the money from the Chinese, laundered through the University of Pennsylvania. His hangers-on, his inner circle, they worked there too and took the money for doing little to nothing, including Anthony Blinken, our current Secretary of State. God, these people are owned by the Chinese. Take a listen. The other is the connection, apparent connection, between this Penn Biden Center and China. Let's walk, th- walk through the details. The University of Pennsylvania announcing the creation of the Penn Biden Center in February 2017. It opened its doors in February 2018. The university then receiving $15.8 million in anonymous Chinese gifts that year, including one in May, for a staggering 145 million bucks. Will you be looking into what, if anything, China got for those donations as it pertains to the Biden records? 
Absolutely. We already had the Biden Center on our radar screen uh, for just the reason that you mentioned, the anonymous donations from China. Now, let's think about this. The Biden Center, anonymous donations from China. Then you have the artwork, uh, anonymous art buyers, and we're pretty certain they were from China. Uh, then you look at uh, one of the suspicious activity reports that Hunter Biden generated. There was a, a million-dollar transfer uh, to Hunter Biden's account from an anonymous source in China. I mean, this is unprecedented to have anonymous donations in the million dollar range going directly to the immediate family of Joe Biden. It's almost as if there's a money trail from the Biden front door all the way to China and it's anonymous sources. This money trail's been written about in the New York Post for a while now. It's not new. But here's how you know that the deep state is seizing control of the ballot and determining who's on it. You know it by who broke this. All of our great reporting from our side over the years utterly ignored by the mainstream media, who even denied the reality of the Hunter Biden laptop. But who broke this story about the documents? CBS. That means the fix is in. And the deep state's taking total control of what Joe Biden does next. Insane thing number six. The price of eggs. Yeah, CBS News says it's up 60%. Yeah, right. Whatever. Listener Dave sent me two receipts from right here in Greenville in the upstate. Both from the Aldi. In January of 2022, large eggs, $1.15. January 2023, large eggs, $4.46. And the Aldi, if you don't have one where you are, that's a discount store. So, hey, CBS, it's not 60% increase. It's about a 385% increase where I live. That's devastating. When you consider most foods of any complexity have egg in them, it's a protein binder. This is the real inflation. Guaranteed, because they're part of so many foods, to jack the price of food absolutely through the roof. Poll going into Christmas was shocking, 25% of American parents say they can't afford all the food they need for their family. The media's excuse? God, couldn't it be Biden inflation? No, no, no. It's avian flu. Why, we had to kill nearly 40 million hens. They They either died or had to be euthanized. That must be the ticket. That sounds like a lot, except one problem. That's only 5%, a drop of 5% in the nation's hen flock. Since last November, that can't be it. Thanks, Dave, for the receipt. By the way, that's the other insane thing, that he saved it for an entire year. Insane thing number five. Joe Biden essentially announced the formation of the North American Union this week, and not a lot of people noticed. It was at a summit called the Three Amigos Summit in Mexico, outrageously flanked by Canada's Justin Trudeau on one side and the Mexican president on the other, standing in front of the three flags, the Mexican and Canadian flags first, of course, Joe Biden announced that America shouldn't wall itself off from the world's problems. In fact, he wasn't going to wall himself off from anything. Because there can no longer be any question, none, in today's interconnected world. We cannot wall ourselves off from shared problems. We are stronger and better when we work together, the three of us. It only got more outrageous from there. 
with the Mexican president thanking Joe from the stage for being the only American president of his lifetime not to build a single meter of wall. Down in Mexico, Joe wasn't even hiding it. He wasn't even pretending he's trying to enforce the law at the border like he claims he is when he's here. Instead, he took credit for the five million strong illegal invasion over our borders since he became president, calling it the greatest migration in all of human history. He was proud of it. This has been the greatest migration in human history around the world, as well as in this hemisphere. In case there's any tout left that our borders are completely wide open and the president had just invited the world to come, he clarified that he's trying to make it easier for you to illegally cross the border in violation of our laws. And so we're trying to make it easier for people to get here, opening up the capacity to get here. But the final jaw-dropping insult of this whole thing, this Three Amigos Summit, was the assertion by the Mexican president that a full, are you ready for this, 40 million Mexicans now live in the United States of America. Manuel Lopez Obrador, the president of Mexico, thought this was just the best thing ever, that he'd been able to slough these people off onto us. And he praised Joe Biden. It's so weird. We don't want him. We praise you for taking him. I've never seen a thing like that. Put the number. Truly jaw-dropping. Understand, that's not 40 million illegal immigrants living in America. That's 40 million Mexican illegal immigrants living in America. That doesn't count the El Salvadorans, the Haitians. I, I mean, I, what, uh, holy cow. He even clarified, yeah, that's the illegals and the first generation of their children. Holy cow. What, folks, if, if that's true, because this is been what I've wanted to know forever. Back in the early 2000s when I was a reporter, I had this service called LexisNexis. It's a database of every article every pr- ever printed in the modern era. And so I wanted to find out when was the first time they told us there was 11 million illegals here. I actually traced it back to the first mention by the Associated Press. You want to know when it was? 1996. They're still using that number. Honestly, how many? 100 million? 150? Heck, I don't know. We'll sure find out when they do the amnesty, though. That's the third insane thing. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Yep, we got Republican senators not happy with merely shoving the omnibus down your throat. Now they're talking about doing some kind of amnesty. The Republicans. Are you kidding me? Yeah, in exchange for border security. Well, how are you going to get border security out of Joe? Oh, we're going to pass laws. Well, but we already have laws mandating border security. Joe is breaking them presently. In fact, the Attorney General of Texas this week, Ken Paxton, announced that he's filed a lawsuit to stop Joe from breaking immigration law. He does that all the time, and he doesn't usually get anywhere, even when he wins, which he almost always does, because Joe just gaffs off the ruling. But anyway, this time Ken Paxton is suing him because he keeps illegally signing up illegals for welfare. People here, even legally, on visas who are not American citizens, if they're even formulaically in danger of ending up on welfare, 
they're supposed to be deported. Now, Joe, he's breaking that law flat out. And the Republican Senate solution, pass some more laws for Joe to break? Sounds legit. Insane thing number four. Insane thing number four. Just how totally mental Gen Z is. It's shocking. And the Wall Street Journal broke it out. You might have thought millennials were nuts. They got nothing on Gen Z. Yep, that's according to a Pew poll, which found that the self-professed mental illness rate for Gen X is 16%. For millennials, it's 18. So, you know, right around the historical average. For Gen Z, a whopping 46%. Bottom line, the Wall Street Journal says, it appears social media has made them mental. They specifically credit the purchase of Instagram by Facebook in 2012. That was the year self-reported mental illness began to go off the charts. It was also around the time that the selfie, you know, where your phone automatically turns to take a picture of you instead of the outside world, was introduced. But here's the really weird thing. It's the girls who were nuts. I've been on this theme for a while. Seriously, um, tell your son to start looking for a wife early and often, like around 14, because they're not a lot. It's going to get pretty competitive. Listen to this. By 2020, more than 25% of those under 18 had had a, quote, at least one episode, quote, of major depression, 25%. The comparable number for boys, just under 9%. That's historically high. The average is usually around six, but it's not off the charts like it is for girls. What could this be? Well, their theory was this. In the woke culture of social media, which we now know from Twitter files, has the FBI acting like a gatekeeper and all these other organizations censoring, including the federal government. So anything but woke culture ends up wiped off, right? And think about how depressing woke culture actually is. Yes. I mean, these people think they're going to die from climate change catastrophes, that they lived through a Russian coup by Nazis perpetrated by Donald Trump, and they barely came out of their houses for fear of death by COVID. So, I mean, that'll make you a little nuts with no counterpoint. But they're saying that they think that the reason this is is because girls spend so much time immersed in the woke culture of TikTok and Instagram, while boys are also online, but they are playing video games against each other in groups, competing against other groups of boys. I immediately identify with this because this is what my sons do. They play online for hours with their friends, joke and laugh, but they don't compare each other and they're not immersed in wokeness. In fact, Because this can go on around the clock at any time, at least when mom and dad let you do it, they actually get more social interaction with their friends, just not face-to-face. Not so with the girls, who compare themselves to other girls, always a recipe for disaster, um, but are immersed in the fake reality that is wokeness. Pretty much around the clock. That'll make you nuts. I'm not sure what we do about this. This week in insane thing number three, 
the Biden administration Consumer Product Safety Commission thought it'd be a great idea to open a period of comment, public comment on the dangers of gas stoves with the idea toward, as they said, either banning them entirely or putting emission limits on the stoves because suddenly they cause asthma or something. Yeah, it quickly became a nationwide punchline. This is one of those deals where the Democrats let on where they're going, what their agenda is before they properly conditioned the public for it or walked up to it the way they need to. Yep, they want to ban stoves. Yeah, that went over like a lead balloon. People freaked out. And by the end of the week, the Consumer Product Safety Commissioner, Alex D. Hohen Sarek, had to walk it back and assured the public that his agency had no intention of banning gas stoves for the time being. He's lying. They damn well were going to ban gas stoves. They're just used to the lemming-like, unquestioning, almost zombified response of Americans to stuff like, hey, let's shut down the economy over COVID and permanently destroy 96,000 businesses. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, of course, the left went nuts for this on Twitter. Folks who were posting cooking videos weeks or months before suddenly became advocates of saving the children, including Elizabeth Warren, AOC, and Jill Biden. One problem. They all have gas stoves and they've all done photos or videos cooking on them. But yeah, they totally wanted to ban gas stoves. The whole thing got kicked off after Commissioner Richard Trump Jr. told Bloomberg News that fears over air quality caused by gas stoves were creating a hidden hazard and that, quote, any option is on the table. Products that can't be made safe can be banned. They damn well wanted to ban them. Why do they want to ban stoves? For the same reason, they've been shutting down natural gas facilities since the Obama administration. They want a fully electrified grid, one that runs on electricity, not gas. Why? Give some total control. The whole thing was a sham, like just about everything else the left pushes. The American Gas Association responded to the whole mess by saying that the claims in the bogus study are derived from an advocacy-based mathematical exercise that didn't include any new science. The authors have conducted no measurements or tests based on real-life appliance usage, emission rates, or exposures, and didn't adequately consider any other factors that are known to contribute to asthma or other respiratory health outcomes. In other words, like COVID, the efficacy of the shot, and the Russia collusion hoax, this made the whole damn thing up. It sounded good, though. But the public should beware. It gives you an idea of the absolute economic crushing direction the left intends to take us in. If we let up for even a second, they will absolutely destroy modernity and all the comforts you've come to know in the pursuit of total power. And what have I told you their two biggest interests are? Fuel and food, the grid, and the supply chains. They're obsessed with them. Why? Because they know if they can cause major chaos in either or both, the Lever Act, remember this from earlier Battleground Podcast, is on the books. And it allows the federal government, was passed during World War I, to seize both. That's the plan. How do I know? The New York Times told us so in an article in June that gave away where they're going with the whole thing. This is them just jockeying for position, angling around, trying to get 
control of every part of the grid right up to your kitchen that delivers cooking ability or warmth or light. Insane thing number two, the left isn't even hiding its penchant for violence anymore. Or the fact that the Democrat leadership approves of its use against people they merely disagree with. Listen to this. House resolution this week, all it said was that Congress condemns the attacks on pregnancy crisis centers. More than 100 of which, including the people running them, have been attacked. Some firebombed and burned to the ground. It should be an easy thing for everyone in Congress to condemn. But almost every Democrat in the House voted no. Voted no. This resolution simply said they condemn the violence against pregnancy crisis centers. Folks, what do pregnancy crisis centers do? My church works with one. The vast majority of what they do is providing job training, helping mothers find child care, and most importantly, food, clothing, and diapers for babies. That is the vast majority of what they do. But because they also offer those mothers, should they ask for it, an ultrasound and counseling when trying to decide whether to abort their babies, the left wants to burn them to the ground. And they are. Most people probably won't even notice this vote this week. It came out 222 to 209 with almost every Democrat voting no, i.e. they're cool with it. But the people out there who did this, who still haven't been caught by the FBI, they caught this and they read it right. The Democrats are all for burning these things to the ground. One of the crisis pregnancy centers that was firebombed this week put out an announcement saying that it is hiring its own investigators because the FBI is doing nothing. It wouldn't be too hard to find the groups behind this. They have Facebook and Twitter accounts, um, some of which weren't taken down till Elon Musk took over Twitter. And they explicitly threaten the people running these facilities with more violence if they don't shut down. In fact, one of the threats by Jane's Revenge went on to say that if they did not shut down, they would begin to get so violent they'd be uninsurable. This This is what the Democrats won't condemn. Why? You are seeing, this is a preview, folks. This is the prequel of what's to come. A justice system that ignores the violence by the right people against the wrong people and a party that condones that violence. It was a shocking vote. Insane thing number one. It should go down in history as the first American, major American PSYOP where they got a whole country to believe, our intelligence agencies did, that the Russians were interfering in our elections, manipulating major parts of our population, up to the point where they installed a president they controlled. (laughs) None of it happened. As the Washington Post finally admitted this week, yep, after writing about a study of the whole thing, they said it might have been, you know, overblown. There really wasn't much Russian interference at all in the few accounts that were interfered with or proselytized to. They were already hardcore Trump voters, so it didn't really matter. So sorry for the exaggeration. Folks, do you remember the sheer hysterical nature of this? It was so bad that at the time, Newsbusters reported more than 60% on average of the daily news on CNN was all Russia collusion attack on our democracy stuff. It didn't happen. But that hasn't stopped the State Department, the FBI, the DOJ, the NSA, the CIA from still using that as an excuse to social media to censor accounts that aren't even Russian. Which brings us to the second part of the number one most insane thing this week. The Twitter files released yesterday. I'm recording this on Friday. 
And this has been threaded throughout the previous Twitter files, but it's really prominent in this one. And what you have is the internal documents from Twitter as they're being pressured to say that Russians are interfering, Russian bots are sending messages, Russian bots are targeting black voters. And inside Twitter, they're saying it's a lie. They're, they're looking for these bots and they can't find them. They're looking for these Russian accounts and they can't find them because they're not real. And so you can see these Twitter executives watching the news and writing back and forth to each other. Well, that's fake. There's no Russia collusion. There's no Russia interference. There's no Russian disinformation. It's all fake. Here's Matt Taibbi on Tucker Carlson last night, summing it up for Russian interference. Not too bad. We rolled tanks up to the Russian border under Obama in retaliation. They're still there. No wonder Russia is frantically defending its borders and taking over Ukraine. I'd be terrified of us too. We're completely freaking insane. Blaming Russia for this and for that. If you're Russian, you've got to assume we'll also invent the pretext for war with you if the fake election interference wasn't enough. Anyway, Matt Taibbi sums the whole thing up. Keep in mind, he's a liberal reporter, a lifetime donor to the ACLU. This is what he says about Russian bots and so-called Russian disinformation. Two is never real. There was no attack on our democracy or our republic of any kind. And Twitter's own internal documents prove it. Well, I think we know a lot about uh, how a lot of these Russiagate stories came to be. People just lied. Uh, In this case, even when Twitter had more or less conclusive proof that there were no Russians involved, politicians in the media just simply overrode what the facts were. And things being the way they were, there was a real mania at the time. 